0: We are back yet again on the thick men, Inc. Podcast, and this week we have many things to talk about, most of them money-related. First up, the Dolphins owner, Steven Ross, has gotten himself in a lot of trouble. He is suspended until October 17th, a similar time frame right to the Sean Watson suspension, by the way, will be fined $1.5 million and will lose first-round draft picks, or will lose a first-round draft pick in 2023 and a third-round draft pick in 2024, all because he tampered with Tom Brady and Sean Payton. He tried to get both those men into his organization, both as a player, coach, and someone in the front office he failed every single time subsequently the NFL said no 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 you can't do that now what was not confirmed in these reports was that Ross was paying his head coach Brian Flores to intentionally lose games or attempting to I personally believe he did try and get Flores to lose intentionally Flores refused to do it and that if this came out the NFL will be forced to make Ross sell his team so they are avoiding a wee bit of trouble with this and just saying okay you're suspended for six weeks or so you're fined an inconsequential amount of money you're a bazillion there and you're losing a few draft picks he got off fairly light for what i think he actually did brian flores has voiced his displeasure with this and i am not very happy with the situation i think he should have had to sell the
1: team for what he's done but tristan what do you think it's funny because they they kind of assert that in the findings that stephen ross did make those type they call them jokes in the findings and he didn't make those kind of statements within the organization discussing whether or not it'd be more beneficial to the team to actually value their draft position and losing is winning and that's how it is framed they act They acknowledge that those type of conversations at least took place, but one can only assume the reason those did not take place is because of how high Brian Flores' character is. He was not willing to lose games for the sake of a draft position and refused to let that happen. Had it been a coach of lesser moral character, that might have happened, and Steven Ross may have been forced to sell the organization, and it would have put a massive stain on the NFL. So in all reality, even though Brian Flores is now all of a sudden the NFL's boogeyman, he saved the NFL from becoming coming called frauds and he saved Stephen Ross from having to sell his team and lose his billion dollar franchise and Brian, his, Stephen Ross's comments and the statement he released are absolutely pathetic they're they're entirely stupid he once again attacks Flores' character he says all those findings were uh, unfounded and that Flores is basically a liar and then when it comes to the other findings regarding the organization he acknowledges that he strongly disagrees with the findings but he's not going to fight him because he doesn't want to cause any more disruption he doesn't want to Distract from the season the Dolphins are about to have, and when it he comes, he doesn't want to
0: rock the boat. He tried to recruit Tom Brady on.
1: Yeah. And the, it just shows that the Dolphins are possibly the worst tamperers in sports history and definitely NFL history. In 2019, 2020, they tried to lure Tom Brady for that following offseason to their organization. Tom Brady went to a different Florida team, won a Super Bowl with that Florida team, played this past year, was very successful again. Then the Dolphins try and lure him again to try and come to the organization as a part-time owner, maybe even a player. They failed both times in those regards. Then was Sean Payton. They wanted him to be their head coach this season. In 2020, 22 Sean Payton then retires so what they're being punished for, losing a first-round pick, losing a third-round pick, being fined $1.5 million, they weren't actually successful in their tampering efforts. So they're getting fined for something they weren't even successful in, and it just shows a different level of organizational stupidity and incompetency. Defends
0: gonna fin. I will point out, it was a text from Bill Belichick, which caused all this misfortune and debauchery in Miami. That man plays chestnut not checkers. He's 12 steps ahead. There are no such thing as mistakes to him. He knew what he was doing when he texted Flores congratulating about the job he didn't receive and all in all just a masterclass in general by old billy b good on him he's the
1: real winner of all this bill belichick will always be thinking one step ahead he'll always be thinking outside the box this year he doesn't even have an offensive coordinator he has matt as the lead offensive strategist so maybe that's the new wave and we're not going to have any more coordinators in the nfl or at least the title coordinator
0: yeah he's doing that so they can pay him less money that old (laughs) cheapskate (laughs) But two people who got paid a very good sum money. Debo Samuel and DK Metcalf both recently signed extensions. I'm going to start by talking about Debo. I think that is a very big deal for the 49ers. He was the heart and soul of their offense in addition to George Kittle. Any time they had to spend without him in the upcoming season would have been dreadful for Trey Lance. Trey Lance will have had to fight through insufficient wide receivers, getting gunfights with water pistols. And sure, Kittle will be a nice safety blanket, but at the end of the day, they think this kid is the future. They think he's got a giant arm and can move it down the field. They want someone who can get open who's going to catch the ball for him and in some cases going to come out of the backfield and run the ball and help him out. Having Debo on that team is a tremendous spin for the 49ers. I'm glad they worked the deal and he's
1: getting every penny he deserves. Well, When it comes to the 49ers specifically and them signing Debo Samuel, I think it is a move they had to make just to the fact they have a very young quarterback in Trey Lance. They want to build around him. They want him to be the future. They have the opportunity to pay receivers like Debo. So from that perspective, I think it was a very good idea. And when it comes to the DK Metcalf contract, the Debo contract, and even the Terry McLaurin contract that happened a couple weeks ago, I think the NFL is finally figuring out contracts that not only benefit the players, but also benefit the organizations. So they're not saddled with bad long-term deals where the last two years of the deal they're playing a player a lot of money to not really touch the field for them. Now DK received a $30 million signing bonus and Debo Samuel received $41 million guaranteed at signing. I think this is the new way for players. They're taking a short-term deal where the organization isn't saddled with a five-year deal where the last two years they may not be as productive. There's much more risk to the organization when they sign that long-term contract and with the players more guaranteed money, shorter deals, but even after the short deals if they produce year in Year out and are still worth the money that they're getting paid at the end of the contract, they can re up, double dip, so to speak, get another big contract, which will be even more money because three years from now, the wide receiver market will inevitably be higher than it is now. Tyreek Hill in three years from now will not be the highest paid wide receiver and it is going to be someone making possibly 35 to 40 million dollars a year. So I think it's a the way contracts are moving is a great direction for both organizations and it is moving in a great direction for players as far as guaranteed money goes. So there's not heavy incentive laden or you know, there's a great risk if they get injured or something to that effect.
0: I agree with what you said. I'm of the opinion that the DK Metcalf contract, the Seahawks should have fought a little bit hard to make that a long-term deal, actually, because short term, they're not going to compete this season and they're going to get a very good draft pick. I would hazard to guess, but do you really think a rookie quarterback is going to be able to lead them back to the playoffs? I don't really think that's an option for them for the foreseeable future. So a three-year contract is just affirming that we are going to have to repay Metcalf. I would think they would rather say, okay, here's a five-year deal. So maybe towards the 10 Tail end of that will actually be a relevant team competing for a playoff spot as opposed to uh, just now having to re-up him right as their window opens back up. I think it's a bit of a mistake by the organization. Obviously very good for DK because someone's going to pay him. He's a tremendous physical talent barring injury. Top five, top 10 physical talent in the whole league maybe regardless of position. So I'm a little bit puzzled by that but all in all if it makes everyone happy good for them
1: I guess. Well I think retaining DK was a very good idea because if they do get a young quarterback in there and then near future that can be a franchise guy they have DK Metcalf on the field for them now right now they're not ready to win the roster is really bad they need to retain that talent so signing DK Metcalf and extending him was imperative now I do agree with you I think they probably should have fought a little bit harder maybe for a five-year deal because if they find that guy next season or the season after that, DK is only going to have one or two years left on his contract. So it doesn't make that much sense from that perspective, but it does also protect them still as it does with any player that if he does get injured or his production does decrease, they can maybe get him at a lower value.
0: I just don't think teams win super Bowls or compete for by signing safe and nice contracts, but that's neither here nor there. Speaking of a contract which made somebody unhappy, the clause in Kyler Murray's contract that he was mandated to watch a minimum of four hours of independent film every week has been removed now this is a 230 million dollar contract Kyler Murray got absolutely paid there's no debate on that but people are saying oh is it bad look for the organization it's a bad look for Kyler it makes Kyler look bad I personally don't dislike it I think Kyler Murray, while a very talented passer of the football, is on or is, is his best when he is out of pocket moving around, able to extend plays and wait for someone to get open. If he wants to be a more traditional pocket passer, he's got to redefine his game. And I think Kyler Murray wants to be a more traditional pocket passer. He's got the arm down, he can be accurate, but I do think he is a few steps away from being a truly elite Tom Brady Peyton manning S style passer, which based off conversations I had about him towards the end of the year and his habit of physically breaking down every season, he should be able. For. But you disagree with me, Tristan. You made a TikTok about this. Tell me your thoughts on that little
1: clause. Well, I think the clause from the very beginning made absolutely no sense to me and kind of much like it did the Dolphins organization. Even though we may like the Cardinals roster, it just shows how incompetent they can be. They have no clue what they're doing from an organizational perspective. And the fact that they felt the need to include film study within Kyler Murray's contract is ridiculous. I mean, just from my perspective, and any NFL fan can do this if they've watched Kyler Murray... Tyler Murray's ability to diagnose blitzes, his ability to see the field, has never been in question. He's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. So I don't get why he needs to study four hours of film outside of team activities, which he's obviously at the facility a majority of every single day since it is his full-time job. So why does he need to do it? four or why do you need to mandate four hours outside of the facility if you believe in him truly believe in him he's going to be doing that anyway that is not something you need to guarantee and that is something that can just be a gentleman's agreement in the first place if that conversation even needs to take place so I think the inclusion of it was ridiculous from the get-go I think it's extremely ignorant to think that uh, that detail was never going to get out to the public and I am actually glad that they removed it from the contract because at least now reinforces it to us a little bit that they do believe in him they are not looking to void his contract if he does three and a half hours one week and that they think he is the future of the franchise and I think it does remove a little bit of the controversy if there's a week where he doesn't perform as well it'll still be there because this news got out but I think it did, does remove it a little bit
0: more it got removed because there was so much public backlash against the Cardinals you had fans players coaches like speaking out against that I'm sure that anonymous defensive coordinator has been commenting on Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes some things to say about it in favor of him watching 10 hours of mandatory film but that's neither here nor there again i think he might need to improve his ability as a pocket passer i think that does come with film just as much as anything else really it's talking about him getting away and diagnosing blitzes. a large part of that is him being five foot seven ducking under the defender and then running for his life which hey that's a valuable skill to have maybe two other people in the league can do it like him but if that skill goes away for some reason Do you really feel comfortable with Kyler Murray guiding you through the playoffs? I don't think so. Again, this is all episode. Kyler Murray could watch 80 hours of film a week and practice for the other 40.
1: Who knows? If diagnosing blitzes had everything to do with athleticism, then Daniel Jones wouldn't be a statue in the pocket that gets leveled and fumbles 24-7. To, so to say that Kyler Murray's well, to ability be fair, to Daniel avoid Jones pass rushes in the due open field ridiculous due to athleticism is
0: ridiculous. So maybe Daniel Jones isn't that much of an athlete. I get what you're saying, but again, his ability to escape the pocket is why he's such a problem to blitz. Well, we're getting into some mags and going to start repeating
1: ourselves, so I'm going to smoothly transition us to the outro right here. That has been the podcast. Be sure to subscribe. We're over a thousand subscribers now like the video let us know what you think about kyler murray's contract what do you think about the new wide receiver contracts that have (laughs) let us know about the new wide receiver contracts that have been signed within the nfl and let us know what you think about the new dolphins tampering news that has come out in the nfl we'll see you in the next one like the video subscribe peace